podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratocast. I'm joined by Mike again and this week we're discussing departures from the Sir Alex, or post-Sir Alex Ferguson era that we disagree with and players that may um, have went on to better things that had more opportunities maybe at United or more time to, to show their their ability. Um, Mike, I suppose a catch-up from, from the last time we spoke. How's things with you? Have you? How's the Icon series on the blog going? It's going well. Um, so obviously the um, the part two of the cancer album went out yesterday. As I said, that was originally supposed to be one part, but the man packed a lot into quite a short career. Um, the next week's one is already done, um, which is on. Uh, it's going to be about Billy Meredith. He's probably sort of the first big figure in the history of the club in terms of sort of, and probably one of the first sort of truly modern figures in English Association football, I think, in terms of how he carried himself and his status within the game. So um, I, I did want to do him. And um, yeah, that's going to be going out uh, every Wednesday, that. So just keep your eyes peeled for every Wednesday for the for the um, icons of Old Trafford series. Yeah, I recommend reading the, the Cantona one, the Cantona part one and Cantona part two. The... Helen back with the second one, the story about Galatasaray. How many, how many times you read that? Um, and the period Canton I was going through then, what a nutter. It was, the, it was the whole thing with the referee as well. Um, because this was still, people forget, this was, I think, the second year that the, the, the Champions League was the Champions League. And the format was still changing all the time. In fact, no, sorry, that was the first year. Um, I remember the first year you used to, to there was like a a knockout first round and then you had a group stage uh, and then if I remember rightly um, then the the group winners went into the final or something like that it was really odd format like the first two 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 or three years of the competition the format seemed to change every year it was like UEFA was trying to work out the best format which is really strange but it was also a little bit more wild west. You know, I know, I know this was still only the 1990s, but people forget away trips back then really, really were away trips. So you went to some of these places. Mm-hmm. That Galatasaray game, the, the Galatasaray fans were in the ground, filled the ground about seven hours before kickoff. The noise is incredible. You go back and watch the footage from that game, it's amazing. But the referee is a really interesting story. He was found about a, must have about a year later, he was banned for life for bribery. And match fixing that referee, and Cantona accused him in that game mm. of match fixing. And there was certainly that was still in a period of time in the game where that was not uncommon, and dodgy stuff did go on. And really, a lot through a lot of the nineteen nineties, a lot of this stuff went on, um, as we saw with like Calciopoli and stuff that came out. Most of the stuff with Calciopoli, a lot of that stuff with Modji and, and people like that, that went on. Most of that went on in the nineties. Um, the, the sort of the lion's share of that they were stripped to those league titles in the 2000s but the 1990s was really where Moji got up to some of his um, most notorious work so it was, a, it was a really strange 
it was still European football. Um, I, it doesn't carry the same excitement as it does now. I think the reason that you're down is because you didn't get to see as many of these teams. There was still an exoticism about it. Getting to places like, um, get, you know, away trips really were away trips back then. You know, when you got home advantage, it really meant something. And um, obviously there's a match we're going to look at in a future podcast where we're going to talk about this, which is the, the, the next year campaign when we played Barcelona. And you watch the difference in the home leg and the away leg. It's, it's quite astonishing, really. And actually, United's home record in the Champions League in the 94-95 season was really good. Didn't lose any games at home. Won two and drew one of their home games, which people would be quite surprised by. Mm-hmm. We actually went out. Um, I think we finished on... I think we finished on level points from the point behind Barcelona in the group that season. It's, it's quite incredible when people think about it. We were very, very close to knocking out Johan Cruyff's Barcelona at the European Cup in the group stages that year. So, yeah, that whole period of United and, yeah, what Cancel was going on, that was a really fascinating period in time that I would definitely recommend reading it. And I would say the same for the Billy Meredith one, and that's out next week, because there's a lot of interesting stories about Billy Meredith as well. I'm sure we look forward to that one. Just to get, to get on to the players that departed, you know, we, we're talking about Cantona there, and it's funny because Cantona came to United, um, the, the team seen a transitional period when he came in, uh, and likewise, when he when he retired, um, big big moments in United's history to it always, but also a huge moment is Rax Ferguson's retirement. And a lot of players that we are a few players we're going to discuss here, where some of them it, it didn't quite work out for them when Ferguson left. And one of my first picks is a player that um, was unfortunate with with the timing of his arrival. But first, the, the summer um, we're going to go with first, I think, is 14-15 when we have our first picks of players that left uh, when they probably should have been kept maybe a bit longer. Um, who's your first pick, Mike, from 14-15? My first pick from that year was, um, was it seems the players we let go, was, was Danny Welbeck. Um, I know he did split opinions sometimes among United fans, but I thought he was a really good player. And you actually look at the problems well back in his career, especially with injury. That was only started when he went to Arsenal. I think a lot of that stemmed from the fact there was stuff going on at Arsenal. I don't know with the training or the medical um, issues in terms of looking after players, men. There was huge amounts of players getting injured. Um, at that time, and Welbeck was very unfortunate. In fact, his time at Arsenal got two really bad injuries. I think almost two years of his career were gone um, in his time at Arsenal. But United, he was always a good player. He was a good, what I would say is um, a good big match player, Danny Welbeck. Um, I remember the um, season previous when we played, uh, I think it was... Bayern Munich when he played Bayern Munich in the Champions League yeah, and I'm some little boy um, the, the Scotsman who shall not be named one and only season in charge at the club um, Danny Welbeck he missed the one-on-one but he had a really really good game in that first leg worked tremendously hard um, I know actually in the lead-up to that quarter-final Guardiola highlighted him as one of his favourite players that United had because he is someone that had a versatility about and can play anywhere across the front line great at closing people down and it was a really bizarre departure as well um, in terms of getting rid of him I mean I understood it to some extent because I think they were clearing the decks Falcao would come in that summer and Di Maria and obviously you had Van Persie and you had Wayne Rooney at the club but Welbeck in many ways is, is, 
was a perfect Van Gaal um, player. He, he was an unselfish attacker who would create space, work hard and make opportunities for the more talented players. If you look at the way that Van Gaal liked to play, he maybe liked to have one or two really creative players, generally one in defence and one further forward. Like back when he was at Ajax, I think you had Frank Rijkaard or Frank De Boer, who used to play at the back, who was a great passing centre-half. And you had um, Yari Lippmann, who was sort of the creative forward. And then you had some more, a more hard-working player like Fadidi George. And I think Welbeck would have filled that role perfectly. You know, so they would have provided better balance to us going forward. Um, to sell him, really, I think it was a big mistake. And to have a hot, an academy-developed player as well, who could have been an important part of the first-team squad going forward in the years to come and grew into a more senior player in the team, to let that go, I think that really summed up the, the, the direction where the club was going at that point and a direction that I think has only really started to be readjusted back to where it needs to be going again over the last 12 months, really. Is, is this is this where we lost a lot of makeup in the squad? Because, look, you can look at Danny Welbeck. I'm going to sit in the fence in this one. I, I like Danny Welbeck when he's actually nice, but I'm looking at the, the 20 million... Um, Euro fee we received from and the, the way his career went since. I think we got we, we got a good deal there. But yeah, but we put, we paid eight million, nearly eight million euros just alone, Falcao for a year. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's true as well. But the, the thing the thing with Welbeck is, like, when you when you sell a player like that from for, for the last few years we've been on about there hasn't been enough people in the dressing room to know what it's like to play for United and and, and so it's always been adamant about signing players that want to be at the club. Danny Welbeck is one of them that comes from the academy that I think you may want to kind of keep around rather than push out like Van Gaal did. Um, but certainly I, I've no complaints considering how his career went down after that. But it's interesting how he had so many injuries at Arsenal because let's not forget that Van Persie's career was, was played with injuries and, and he came to United, won the league in his first season, had no injuries. So, yeah, but and Welbeck's fitness record at United was excellent. That's what I mean. He was so extremely he, reliable, and I, and I think had he not left, yeah, I think his career would have gone in a very, very different direction. The, the common denominator there is Arsenal. Absolutely, you know? and that was definitely an issue that Arsenal had at that time. I don't know what was going on with the fitness of the players. I don't know if the training regimens weren't right. Something was going on and players weren't staying fit. I mean, by the time we got Van Persie, he was basically playing through constant pain. That's his own words. No yeah. one else's. He said himself he was playing through constant pain. So, yeah, that's a definite common denominator. And there's a lot of really good players who went through Arsenal, whether I just wonder whether the injuries really took their toll. It all started happening. Was it kind of after that unbeaten season for them? So I don't know what was going on at the club, maybe some departures in the coaching and the medical staff. I think their main physio left around about that time. And that seemed to where they just couldn't keep players fit anymore. Theo Walcott is another guy whose career, I think, was irreparably damaged by the way he was handled in terms of his fitness at Arsenal. And, um, yeah, I kind of feel sorry for Welbeck. He, he, he would have been, I think, had he been given a choice in the matter, which I get the distinct feeling he wasn't, um, he would have stayed. Before I go on to my pick for that summer that I think should have been kept a bit longer at least, did you have Nemanja Vidic on your list? Because he left that summer too. Mike? Do you want to just repeat that, mate? Yeah, you, sorry. We froze got, there for a minute. We got cut off. Um, before I go on to, to my my pick for that summer, um, 
did you have Nemanja Vidic on your list? Because that, 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 that's a transfer, I think, at the time. And for maybe a few years after, people complained about less so with Rio Ferdinand. He was definitely a flush force going to QPR. But should they have maybe kept Vidic for a while? Because we struggled so so long defensively without a leader. Um, I understand where you're coming from, but if you look at what happened to Vidic when he went to Inter, he didn't do well. I think he was much like Ferdinand. He he was kind of a spent force, really. Um, in fact, he was the last year or so he was at United, he started to have a lot of injury problems himself. His body was breaking down quite a bit. Just because of the style it's, of it's, it's the, just... the way he played. Maybe it's the knock-on effects. I'm looking at the list of players that left, and I'm seeing Vidic and Ferdinand leaving the same the same summer. I'm seeing, you know, Ryan Giggs retiring that summer. Nanny going out on loan. These are players that won a lot with United. Um, Patrice Evra left that summer too. You know, it's like so to lose to lose Rio, Vidic, and Evra in 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 one summer. Although some of the players were past it, I think was complete and utter madness. Considering I understand, I understand where you're coming from. Although all of those players, I think, were spent forces. But that yeah. was why it was more bizarre that we sold someone like Danny Welbeck. Really yeah. didn't make much sense to me. I think, um, all, all right, he hadn't been around as long as those guys, but he'd been around at the club long enough. He had won trophies at the club, and it would have been nice to have that link to someone that came through the club and, and give him the opportunity to be a senior player. It was a very unlike Van Gaal kind of move that was made when he was sold. That was what really puzzled me. And a lot of other United fans, were, I think, were quite puzzled about that one as well. Even with the excitement at the time of the players that were coming in, little did we know what a failure most of them would be. I think it was quite. A, it was a very, very strange move and one that didn't work out for us. At all. It didn't work out for any party in that at all. My first pick here is Sinji Kagawa. Um, I was absolutely buzzing when he arrived at the club. He was unlucky because the plan was to play him behind... Rooney and then Van Persie became available so that whole plan from Ferguson went out the window and it was Kagawa who, who missed out because of that and I think he he had some good games at United although he, he didn't show the flashes he'd shown at Bristol Dortmund before he came and as a matter of fact when he left United and went back to Dortmund and ever since he hasn't shown those heights at all but he was, he was a gifted, gifted player and I was thinking with the, with the right team around him you know, we're, look, we're looking, before we had Bruno Fernandes, we were complaining about the likes of Jesse Lingard, Andres Pereira midfield. And I'm thinking, you know, Sinji Kagawa was a lot better than both of them. Yeah, I agree. My, my one issue with Sinji Kagawa, and why I wouldn't compare to someone like, so like Bruno Fernandes, I just think he lacked an edge to him, yeah. to his character. He lacked the drive. Um, I think he would have been... Yeah, he's talking about a team built around him. I think maybe a smaller club with a team built around him, he would be fantastic. He would have been a really, really good player. It's kind of the argument I was making against the signing James Madison. I find him a more depressive player. Yeah. Madison looks great at Leicester City. With all due respect to Leicester, they're a very good side. They're a good, really good football club as well. But he just, just didn't quite have that edge and that drive to him to really step up to the next level. It's the same thing with Henrik Mkhitaryan. Henrik Mkhitaryan, phenomenally gifted footballer. Arguably more gifted than Kagawa because he was quicker. He had real pace to his game. Mm. But just maybe lacked that drive and that edge and just a bit of bite to him. You compare it, you know, a similar player would be someone like maybe Eden Hazard. You just don't have the same drive as someone like Eden Hazard had. Mm. Or... um, 
you know, I, 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 Bruno Fernandes is another example. Bruno Fernandes has an edge to it. You, you watch him, he's not soft. He, he's a guy that absolutely wants to be the best, that wants to be the best and will make sure that that happens and he will make sure that no one else slacks off as well. Just little things like, you know, someone like Bruno Fernandes shushing Guardiola in the derby, little things like that. It just, that's important. And in some ways, you look at the character of the players, it's quite an un-Ferguson signing, really, because Ferguson was sort of big on signing players that had the, the right kind of... Um, the right mentality to play for Manchester United. Someone who would not be satisfied with maybe one or two good seasons, but would only be satisfied with season after season after season of just relentless success. Isn't that what Solskjaer is trying to do? I think he's trying to do, which is why he's been quite careful with the players that he's signing. Yeah. I said this before, there's been a definite difference in the players that, he's, that have been signed to United this season than previous seasons. And I, I think... Um, obviously, listen, in terms of just the quality of the footballers, the players that we signed this season, very, very good. All come in, improved in the positions that we had, slotted straight into the team. But they are hungry footballers as well. You look at all of them, they want to win. And they want to win season after season. And they just got that little bit of a, a nasty edge to their character. You know, Harry Maguire can claim he was just readjusting his left positioning, but he definitely kicked a man in the balls deliberately in a big game. You need a little bit of bastardry in your team. Yeah. And I just get the vibe with Fernandes. He has that to him as well. And um, I think that's that's what he's trying to reinstall. Solskjaer was not a, you know, he called him the baby-faced assassin. He wasn't a soft footballer. No, I don't think he so. wasn't a naive footballer. He was a clever player. He, he knew how to do gamesmanship. An example would be him deliberately committing a professional foul in a game, I think it was against Newcastle United. Because if the player had gone, because he was the only other player that could get to them, and had that player, had he not fouled in, the guy would have gone through and scored, and United's title challenge would have been over. I think that was the 97 98 season. Instead, he took one for the team, he got, he knew he was going to get red carded, and he did. And um, I think those are the kind of people that he wants. And Kagawa, lovely footballer, just didn't quite have that. And I think people forget the Dortmund team that he was playing in at the time. This is a Dortmund team that had people like Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. You had people like um, Marco Royce, I think, was in the Dortmund team at that time. You had people like Nevin Subotic, Matt Hummels, Kevin Grosskreutz, you know, tough players, really tough players. Piszczek, Blazikowski. Um, so he was surrounded by big, you know, strong characters who were ready to win. And I think in a situation like that, he can flourish because maybe when he's not having a good game, um, you don't notice it so much because there's other people picking up the slack. Um, he also had a, an identical player, Mario Goetze, who was also there. He's a very similar kind of player. So when one wasn't playing well, as long as one of them was playing well, it didn't really matter. United didn't really have that, and um, unfortunately. And, you know, he had little glimpses of maybe flashes of greatness with him and I think when him and Juan Mata played together a few times. But, um, yeah, it just didn't... Just for me, you know, a really nice guy, really, really gifted footballer, but just didn't quite the right character. He got lost in games a lot. He kind of faded in and out. And I suppose that's the thing with with players that play that particular role as kind of a playmaker and and, and pull the strings. You You often see Mata, especially when we're away from home, um, they find it hard to kind of to have that much of an impact. He plays much better at Old Trafford for some reason, but but as well as that, the difference between 
that group of players and Fernandez is Fernandez has that drive. If he doesn't have the ball, you can guarantee he's going looking for it. And he's, he's, you know, he, he, it's like he reads the game a lot quicker than than the players around. But him. he he's very much what you class as a modern play midfield playmaker. That's what Bruno Fernandez is. Kevin De Bruyne is a very similar kind of yeah. footballer. De Bruyne yeah. doesn't get lost lost in games. Bernardo Silva's the same. They will assert themselves in the game. Okay, I haven't got the ball. I'm going to go and get it and make sure that we win it back and we'll reassert our dominance on the game. And people like Mata um, and Kagawa, I always always think when you think of these old school playmates, you think of someone like Juan Roman, Roman Raquelme. He was a lovely, lovely footballer to watch. But the pace, the way the game is played right now, there's no room for, for those players. Your playmakers now... But people like Fernandez, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva—they are sort of halfway between eight and a ten. That's essentially what they are, yeah. kind of like an eight and a half. I think they—they—they they, they tend to call it. Um, it's the same with like Iniesta. Iniesta was an eight and a half. He wasn't a number ten. He was more versatile. He was more hardworking. That's what your playmakers have to have to do now. I remember this Chelsea had a guy a few years ago. He was great, like called Oscar, Brazilian player. For a couple of seasons, it was fantastic. He used to close people down relentlessly. And um, strangely, and unfortunately, left... people like Kagawa just don't really fit anymore. Strangely, left for China at a young age, Oscar. Yeah, I think um, he played. He had the same problem that a lot of the Chilean players had a couple of years ago, where he played an enormous amount of games without much of a break over a period of about three years. And I think sometimes in an athlete that can really take a toll and it's very difficult for you to get back up to that level. So you look at someone like Arturo Vidal, Alexis Sanchez, they had this incredible stretch where they were just playing. They never got a summer off because they were playing for Chile, just playing and playing and playing. And those two players are not the same anymore because of that. The next summer we have is 15-16 and there's one that jumps out to me straight away in Rafael, who joined Leon. Um, I'm not going to claim that Rafael was a star right back by any means that he was he was he wasn't world class but he he certainly did a job he always worked hard and I, I looked then to we sold him and we had Antonio Valencia at right back who wasn't a right back for for a few years now Valencia didn't do particularly wrong because he's playing playing out of position but Rafael there was a certain thing with him and fattening the fans I think it was because he was ratty he he fought with our rivals and stuff like that, but he he did love United, and I felt the way he in way the way in which he was pushed out of the club by Van Gaal, which I believe he's still very upset about, um, was was totally wrong. And this was a player again who had 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 a lot of success with United with some great players. I think this was another transfer that we were getting rid of a player who experienced so much, and again the DNA of what Ferguson was building with those teams was being stripped by Van Gaal. You look at the, the players we mentioned the summer before, with Evra, Ferdinand, Vidic, all in the one summer. Um, I'm looking here, and you, Nani left as well. Um, Raphael, do you know, Johnny Evans. You know, That's a player you want to talk about, I believe. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Raphael was on my list of players, actually, as well, of players that should not have been sold. That summer was a particularly brutal summer when you look at the outgoings. I mean... Yeah, Javier Hernandez was sold that summer. Um, Nani was shipped up permanently that summer. Um, yeah, it was it was tough. But yeah, Johnny Evans, it's just crazy. For me, at that point, when you looked at the defenders United had, 
Johnny Evans is the best defender at the club. Without any question, he was better than Chris Smalling and he's better than Phil Jones. And he's still better than the both of them now. Although, I have to say, Chris Smalling seems to have sort of refound his mojo at Roma this season, playing really, really well. But Johnny Evans is a fantastic defender, really intelligent, um, you know, not great at just doing the dirty defensive stuff, but he was good on the ball as well, Johnny Evans. A great, really composed footballer at the back. The kind of composure that Smalling and Jones just didn't have. It's a great story that uh, Jonathan Wilson had about him. Um, so Jonathan Wilson is obviously well-known to be a Sunderland fan. And he was, um, when he was um, sort of covering a lot of Sunderland games in the season where they got promoted when Roy Keane was the manager, and there was a game they were playing, I think it was Cardiff City, and the wind was just absolutely shocking that day. In the second half, literally, Sunderland could not get out of their own box. So the only one that was doing anything was Johnny Evans just bringing a ball down, cool as you like, surrounded by opposition attackers and just calmly just bringing the ball out and just playing it out. He was great. And again, he was a certainly well back. I look at Johnny Evans, I think he was an ideal kind of Van Hal defender. Van Hal loved ball-playing defenders, intelligent ball-playing defenders. And I never understood why he favoured Chris Smalling and Phil Jones. The one thing I will say, which is important to know here, when we're talking about players that we disagreed that that were sold, Johnny Evans before he was sold was not playing particularly well. This the season the season before he left, he wasn't playing well. But the thing, yeah. he was going through a bad stage. I think more than anything, but he had done a lot more. He'd shown more promise in the first team than Chris Small and, and Jones ever did in his um in his breakthrough campaign. Well, can I just, yeah, his first season break, his first full season, the first team was um, 2008-2009. So the previous season, um, 07-08, I think he was, so he was at Sunderland alone for two seasons. Yeah. The season they got promoted and then the season after, in which he was their main defender, he was fantastic. And he came to, he came back into United from loan, 08-09. That was the season where we won the third title in a row. We got to a second Champions League final in a row. We won the League Cup that year. And I think we went about, it was, we set a record for most games, consecutive games without conceding a goal. I think, I think at that point. Was it oh, No, it was about nine games. It was something insane. Johnny Evans that season played, I think it was, um, I just checked this before, it was about 34 games he played that season because that was at the point where, I'll double check that, but that was at the point where Vidic and Ferdinand started to have issues with their fitness. Um, so essentially Johnny Evans became because Piquet had been sold um, that summer to Barcelona um, Johnny Evans uh, became sort of the main backup centre-half so one of those two couldn't play Johnny Evans would come into the team and play and he played pretty much every game in that run he was a really good player and I know he'd had a drop-off in form but he had already shown he could recover from these kind of drop-offs in form I remember wasn't that well, one during bit... the time that Rio had the back injury and he was he, Evans was partnered by by Vidic? Yeah, Vidic started to have problems with his knees, I think, that yeah. season as well. But I remember Evans had already not only proven what a good, that he, he'd given himself credit in the belt for that season, but he'd also shown he could recover from bad um, spells of form. So you, uh, an example would be when we he had a, an absolute nightmare when City beat us 6-1 at Old Trafford. He really did, and I think he got red carded as well. When he came back into the team, because obviously he served his suspension for the red, he came back into the team. He was fantastic for the rest of that campaign and the next campaign as well. He was a huge player for us. And I think 
just the complete lack of patience of Van Gaal to, to sit down with him and work out what was going on. That's always been a bit of an issue with Van Gaal, though, is sort of... Um, I think part of the reason Van Gaal liked to work with younger players is because he ruled by fear rather than maybe taking a more holistic man-management approach and maybe seeing that uh, one individual may need managing differently than another individual player. And I think Johnny Evans at that point maybe just needed someone just to sit down with him and just to work with him. I think selling was a huge mistake. Hey, if, listen, if Johnny Evans was at the club now, he would still be your first choice centre-half. I would be much more comfortable with Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire as the United first-choice defence than I would be yeah. with any of the other defenders you've got in Harry Maguire. We would, you know, listen... United's defence has been good this season. Imagine how much better it would have been if we kept Johnny Evans and, and helped him get through what was, as it turned out, just a bad patch of form. Because as soon as he went to West Brom, he was great again. And then he went to Leicester City, he's been great at Leicester City. So much so that Manchester City tried to buy him twice. Yeah. Guardiola really wanted him. Guardiola was going to make him first choice because I think Guardiola had maybe looked at Stones, looked at Osamendi and thought, these guys just not, not working for me. But he saw, I think, in Johnny Evans... Someone who would have fitted perfectly for him. Does Nanny make your list? Unfortunately not. I do like Nanny. He was a really good player, but um, he did tend to flit in and out of games at times. And uh, it was just maybe the right time for him to move on, I, I think. Did, Raphael was on my list, though. Absolutely. I Raphael should never have been sold. He should have been kept. I'm no not, question about that. I'm not 100% sure whether I have Nanny on my list or not, to be honest, because I... At the time, it was probably the right time to sell him, but we never, we still haven't got that ideal player on the right yet, and we're looking for one in the summer. You know, we still haven't replaced that player on the right flank since then, um, and he left for six million. Like, like th that that summer, we sold Van Persie and Nani to Fenerbahce and got twelve point five million for both players. And like thinking of the market now, they fucking fleeced us. <laughs> I know, I know. What I will say, bar I think a season he had on loan at Sporting, um, Nanny really hadn't done that much since he'd left United, which suggests to me it was probably the right move to let him go. The, I left the player out from the 14 15 because I wanted to bring it up in the 16 17 summer because that's the summer we left. We, we saw Memphis Depay leave the club after a short spell. Now, it's very, very similar. Um, episode with Wilfred Zaha, although he got less chances at United. Two of those wingers are they're not on your list, no? No, although Zaha would be higher up the list than yeah. Depay, I think. Zaha only just missed out. The only reason I didn't put Zaha on the list is that I think him leaving the club was the best thing for him for in him. his career. Yeah, maybe for him, yeah. Um, but Depay, I do like Memphis, and on his day, he's really good. But it's kind of overlooked when people see him doing stuff for Leon. Even for Leon, he's incredibly inconsistent and frustrated sometimes. <laughs> and um, he's just, I, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. There's too many question marks over his personality in uh, in terms of, no, it's what he does off the pitch. What he does off the pitch, I don't really care. As long as he doesn't get into any legal trouble or doesn't do any horrible stuff. Listen, him doing rap videos, I, I, you know, people having to go at him for the way he dressed and, and how he carried himself, that kind of annoyed me because if Memphis Depay had been a white player and he did that, no one would have said a word about it because he was a black foreign player. Have you people seen, wanted have you to seen, have a pop. 
Have you seen the way James Madison dresses? If anyone yeah, wants exactly, to have an issue exactly. with theirs, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, I, my issue with the pies, I just think he maybe lacks, in terms of technically and physically, he has got all the gifts to go and be a, an absolute superstar. He just maybe lacks that, he's got an edge to his character, but he maybe just lacks the drive to go and be consistently really good or go and kick on in a way that, say, like Ronaldo. Ronaldo did or Gareth Bale did when Gareth Bale kicks on a, a you know people sort of laugh at Gareth Bale now but people forget when he went to Real Madrid and for a couple, two or three years at Real Madrid he was great he just maybe lacks the drive that those guys had to go and be really really successful you know he's good in Lyon a decent team in a league that's not as strong as the Premier League but I just think maybe you know it was just slightly slightly above his level Who's next on your list? It's next on my list you know, I was looking through that season after departures, 2016-2017. Didn't really see much in there. I think all the players we got rid of that year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably right, the right call to get rid of him. Um, and for much of the same reason, I would say the season after as yeah. well. Yeah. But then really, it's when we're coming up to kind of last year um, and this year where, we, where, again, there's a couple of departures. I mean, Top of my list of players we shouldn't let go is Daily Blind. Yeah. Why in the world we ever let him go? I said he, I think he was one of the better, easily one of the best players that United signed after Ferguson left. He's a really good player and he's gone back to Ajax to be really good. He was a, a big part of their run to the Champions League semi final and the league championship win last season. Really clever footballer, technically superb. All right, maybe they're not the most amazing athlete in the world, but listen, I, I think. If you'd have offered Solskjaer David Blind in his squad right now, you'd snap your hand off. You'd love to have someone like him. Because the thing with Blind as well, even though you, maybe people don't realise, he's a leader. He's a, someone who can take charge of a game. He can direct plays. He's such a clever footballer. Um, you know, and he's a he's a leader at Ajax and he's a really smart guy and you know, beautiful man. Easily great the best hair. looking player that you have. Give the hair a mention. Yeah, great hair, yeah, fantastic, you know. But I you should never have sold him, and he would. I think he would be in and around the first eleven now for United he's because he can fill so many different places. He can play as a, a playmaker, almost in a, not quite as good as someone like Andy Robinson or Trent Alexander Arnold. But his ability to be able to find the long passes in the way that he could, he could play as a screen in the midfield for the defence. He could play in a back three. He would be great in a back three. In fact, he's tailor made for it. He could play further up in midfield as well. He's so versatile. And we, we could have really done with him the this big, season, I think. The biggest regret that I have in the time of, of Blind is, is we didn't utilise him at all, really. We didn't no. try out different different systems with him. And it's, it, it, people say, oh, he didn't always perform brilliantly where he was playing, so why would you why would you give him the chance elsewhere? The thing is, he was so technically gifted. He could do so much with a football. He, play defence, full-back, as, as you mentioned, midfield. And I think Solskjaer, as a player Solskjaer would probably make a lot of use of, uh, would have made a lot of use of this season considering the injuries we had during the time McTominay was out. Um, defensively, Mourinho played him as centre-back in the in the Europa League. Um, he was very, very good, good good in that campaign. So yeah, he was a player I was really sick to, to see leave. But look, for for many years under Ferguson, you would say that no players leave Manchester United and go on to better things. 
Um, and we said that for years. The, and watching Ajax glide through the Champions League last season and see him reach semi-finals with Blinden team, I was delighted to see that. I was really happy to see a player move on yeah. that wasn't really fully appreciated at United, but then is at the highest stage in Europe while we're struggling in, we're, we're struggling to qualify for the Champions League. This guy is, has left United, is playing semi-finals with Ajax. That's a, it's a massive achievement. Um, yeah. And he's, he's, had, he's had his illnesses, I think, in the last year with his heart and stuff, and he's missed games, and it's good to mm-hmm. see he's, he's, he's had to recover. And, but that's another player as well. That you look at some of the players we brought in that caused problems, that were in the media for, for for negativity and stuff. Did you ever hear a daily blind at all? Like in in that kind of capacity, he he puts up his pictures on Instagram with his beautiful hair after I'm sure using some of the best products a man can get. But uh, other than that, you didn't really hear or see much of him. No, great player, still a fantastic player now. And it was interesting um, when Mourinho came into United, Blind was very, very heavily linked with Barcelona. And Barcelona were interested because I think they looked at him as someone who would fit into the way they play. I, 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 I do feel this season, you know, that when we had that real drop off in form, and people talk about the Pogba getting injured. Pogba's barely played this season, so it's really very little impact on our form. But I think Tomine getting injured was a big blow. And I think had we had Daily Blint there, that really would have cushioned that blow. I also wonder whether we'd have had Blint, Solskjaer would have uh, experimented with the back three much, much earlier than he did. I mean, he started using it more regularly up until the, the shutdown because... Um, Credit to Luke Shaw has really developed his game to be able to be more versatile and play as a sort of a more central defender and give Solskjaer some flexibility in the systems that he, he wants to play. But yeah, I, I and I think that was, I look at Blin and I feel like it was just giving Solskjaer a little bit more breathing, breathing room to try new things that I think he did want to try. You know, I wonder if Solskjaer ever maybe he was a little bit one dimensional, but I think when Fernandez came in, it allowed Solskjaer to go, oh, okay. I can maybe sort of shift things around a bit, change the way that we play now, because we have someone who allows us to change the way we play. I think Danny Blind would have allowed us to do that a little bit as well. Obviously, he's not as good as Bruno Fernandes. He's not the same type of player. But just gives you that allowances. Someone who just never, ever loses his, his cool. And he, he would have been, again, we talk about Johnny Evans. Danny Blind would have been a great partner for Harry Maguire in defence. All right, maybe some people say not the quickest, but... You look at the both of them, their positioning and their anticipation, the way they're both able to read the game, it would negate a little bit um, the need in the pace. And if you were going to pay about three, it just allows you to put someone like Eric Bailly in there who could maybe just cover for them with a, a bit more sort of athleticism, rudimentary sort of athleticism. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's a big regret. And we got decent money for him. I think we pretty much, we actually sold him for about the same amount that we bought him for. Roughly about 16 million euros, but shouldn't have sold him. Just should not have sold him. I was, and again, a bit of a surprise with Mourinho. I just think that was when Mourinho was in full self destruct mode because actually, you go back through Mourinho's time at various different clubs. Daily Blind was actually the kind of player that Mourinho really liked. He's a great professional, could fill a number of different positions. Mourinho really loved to have those players in his, in his squad because it, you know, it could plug a number of gaps and yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a surprise when we sold him. I'm really not sure what was what was behind that, especially when I saw, when you look at what came in yeah. um, that summer, it just didn't really, um, 
it just didn't really make any sense. We got we got sixteen million for him. We spent seventeen million, but like sixteen million seems very cheap for a player that talented. I know, like pe- pe- people watching this now might say, "Oh, these guys are blowing blowing Lynn's trumpet," but like I don't believe we we got the best out of Mitchell for these reasons. I, I think an immensely talented player. Um, almost shoehorned into the team when he played and not given a proper run at it in, in his best role. So I think that that comes down to the managers that that yeah that were in charge at the time. And I do think the story would be very, very different had um, had Solskjaer managed Blind. Yeah, I do, I do. I do think that. And it would have helped sort of cover-ups for some of the problems he had replacing Michael Carrick as well. We had a huge amount of problems replacing him and how important he was to the team. And I think Blink will help plug that hole as well. And it's poor planning again. It's really, really poor planning. I mean, to be honest, the vast majority of United fans I speak to, and I mean actual proper fans who watch the games, not these idiots on social media who barely watch any football and just, you know, have seen statistics and YouTube compilation videos. Most United fans I speak to see very, very fondly of Daily Blind and probably would have been more would have preferred that we didn't sell him. Yeah, no, definitely. Is is that all your list? Is that all the players that you've done? The only other one I had was Ander Herrera because I think he's a really, really good player. I really liked him. But a good figurehead, you know, a good senior pro to have in a team. And I think he would have helped a lot this season. So he was the only one, one in there. Um, but I could see why maybe you wouldn't have him on his list because he wanted to go yeah. at that point. I think he, he said was that the club. He's a little bit like Lukaku. Ordinarily, Lukaku would have been on this list. He would have been top of the list. What the hell do you sell a 20, 25 goal a season striker for? But he wanted to go, even though he had no issues with Solskjaer. Him and Solskjaer got on very well by all accounts. Solskjaer really wanted him to stay. But I think mentally it can happen to anyone. I mentioned this before. Sometimes you're in a job and sometimes you go, I think I've come to the end of my time here and I just need to move on. And I think that's what Lukaku was. And I think it worked out. it's worked out for everybody in the end. I know we struggled a bit initially, but I look at um, Rashford really stepped up before his injury. I think it's given Mason Greenwood some much-needed game time. Um, Martial started to improve a lot before the shutdown. I think he did prove tremendously in that sort of... Uh, was it 11 game on beating Romeo you were on? Yeah. He was a huge, a big part of that. And also, um, I look at someone like, we, we brought in Igalo, who, I've, you know, he's not played a huge amount, but from, I've seen enough for Igalo to think, as long as you're not paying silly, it, it, apparently we won't have to pay a huge amount to sign him permanently. Yeah, 15 million to be touted. I think these days, he's still 30 years old. I don't think that's, that's a huge amount of money to be paying for someone mm-hmm. who could contribute 10 or 15 goals yeah. chip in and, and give you a different option going forward and for a guy that wants to be at the club I mean you look at Igalo he really really is so enthusiastic about being at Manchester United and he seems to have settled in really quickly um, so yeah I think with the Lukaku thing the reason that I didn't put him on the list is because I think it worked out for all parties for him him to move on. It was good for him. It was good for him to, I think, in the long run, it's probably good for United, even though it was sad to see him go. Because, Kevin Lukaku, I don't really have anything bad to say about him. I think he was great when he was at United. I mean, he's a little bit of a patchy player, but, man, you look at his goal-scoring record. People take for granted how good of a centre-forward he actually is and how much of a selfless centre-forward he actually is as well, which makes it more incredible that he scores 
the amount of goals that he does. But I, I really like Lukaku, really, really good character. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just a shame that it ended how he did. I think what happened in that previous season was really what sort of knocked Lukaku's confidence, who, I think, who, who and, and maybe think? just moved him out. I, I've no problem with Lukaku either. Um, I think he's a quality set centre forward. Shame didn't work out at United. And I, I agree, he decided it was time to leave. But he left under a cloud and his behaviour in the summer wasn't typically of Lukaku. The thing about not training and and that's not good. And it didn't shine, shine well at him. And the, the, the second point that I have to make too is when he arrived at United, he was in great shape. But this whole thing, whatever he did before the World Cup in Bodkin Upper, whatever the plan was, whoever gave him that plan... It was nuts, crazy, absolutely crazy. I believe they changed his diet plan or whatever when he went to to Milan, and he looks a lot better. Um, but it's he, Mourinho, I think. He seemed to hit out at Gary Neville for mentioning the fact, which was a fact. He's too big. He's too big for a centre forward, and he he had an issue with that. But like, he didn't leave United really on great, 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 great grounds, and he made that he made that himself because. When we're on the pre-season tour and all the, the cameras were there and the players were training, he was sat in his own sulking. And I, that, that's what annoyed me more than anything. Why not just leave? You want to leave, leave without any of the bullshit and train with the club during pre-season. The transfer will happen. It did happen. Yeah, I appreciate that. But it, unfortunately, that does happen. I mean, one of my favourite... United strikers is Ruy Van Nistelrooy. There was absolutely no question the way he left the club was not good. And it's clear, I mentioned mentioned a couple of times the interview Lukaku gave quite recently about how he left the club. And actually, he he said nothing bad about United. He said nothing bad about Solskjaer or the club at all. Which just makes me think his head was just not in a good place at that time. Mm. And I I think, really, if you pressed him, I think if you pressed him on it, he would say... Yeah, if I could go back, I would change the manner in which I left the club. Ander Herrera is another one. The way he left the club wasn't the best. It wasn't that great. And I think if he could maybe change how he went about leaving the club, he would he would change that tomorrow. And the same when I go back to someone like Ruud van Nistelrooy, he'd probably gone, yeah, I wish I left the club in the way that he did. Because if you actually look at, at um, sort of his relationship with Ferguson several years after it was actually very good they made up quite well even though they had a big falling out when he left the club these things happen I've seen various interviews with Akaku. he's a very you know he's a very strong character by all accounts I think a lot of that he was talking about his upbringing I remember him seeing a great interview I think it was an interview you gave with Carl Anker actually um, and he was talking about, he was saying, listen, whenever I hit the ball at you and you're a goalkeeper, I'm trying to kill you with this ball. So that's the kind of mentality that Lukaku has when he goes out in the field. And I think big characters like that, they're going to have some of these kind of extreme reactions. Van Nistelrooy is another one. He was just so relentless, so relentless about how he went about things on the pitch. And another one is Thierry Henry. And I think that's why Thierry Henry is a manager is a failure because he's so single-minded. Roy Keane is another one why he'll just never be. As a manager, he'll never quite... Because there's certain subtleties you need to have um, to be able to be a manager and a head coach. I, I just think that some of these guys don't have, but it's what makes them really good players. And um, 
it means that these things are going to happen. They're going to leave. Sometimes they're going to leave a club under a cloud, but it doesn't mean they have any genuine ill will. And I just don't ever, for all the money which he left the club, there's clearly not much ill will between the club and Lukaku in the months that have elapsed since. Mm. I think it was just a lot of it comes from. I hate the bang on at Mourinho. But he really just is a, a vile, poisonous man who just poisons and pollutes everything around him. And he did so much damage, I think, on his way out of the door. I mean, it really, it's taken us this long. And people talking about, obviously, Ed Woodward doesn't help. But a lot of the damage that's been done, Mourinho did so much damage on his way out of the door. It's taken a long time to repair that. And anyone who thinks I'm exaggerating, go and look at what's happened when Mourinho has left. Go and look at what, what has happened when Mourinho has left clubs previously. You see what happens when Spurs eventually see sense and yeah. sack him, which they should do. It's going to take them a while to recover from that. And, um, I, I, you know, I put a lot of that down to, to Mourinho, to be quite honest with you. Right. Before we wrap it up, just concluding this, will be interesting because you have how many players on your list? They got five you got that five. I wouldn't have got rid of. That's it. I've got four. And the majority of, of the players that I've listed here, Kagawa, Evans, Raphael and Blind, the majority of them were sold by Van Gaal, I believe. Evans, Raphael... Uh, no, not Blind, no, but Evans, Kagawa. Raphael, Welbeck were all sold by Van Gaal, yeah. Right. What I'm getting to is, when I, when I read out the list, although none of us have the Vidic, Evra uh, and, and Ferdinand on the list, but considering the key members of the dressing room that Van Gaal got rid of. And considering the job Solskjaer is trying to do by getting in those kind of mentalities back into the dressing room, I'm looking back at foreign managers from the Ferguson, post-Ferguson era, I think Van Gaal did a lot of damage. A lot of damage. I agree with that. And um, it's difficult for me to say because I love Van Gaal. I like him like he's an yeah, incredibly yeah. difficult, frustrating man. But I do love him. But yeah, he, he did do a lot of damage and He's he's one of those guys. Go either way. Either he can leave a lot of really good stuff behind, yeah, yeah. or he can leave a mess behind. When he left Barcelona, it was kind of somewhere in between. So he, he brought some really good young players through. Obviously, everyone knows Xavi and Iniesta, Valdez and Puyol were the main ones that he sort of brought into the team. I think maybe Xavi and Iniesta. It's overplayed slightly, especially with Iniesta because. It was only when Guardiola came in that he was actually utilised properly because they were still looking to get rid of him. Yeah, but, well, I um, he, he has the, he has this he does have this about him Van Hal, especially when he feels like he's boxed in. And um, I feel like he came in at United and we've been I think that the, the, the turning point for the worst of Van Hal was the Leicester City game where we lost five three. Yeah. I think after that things went very that was when things started going wrong. That was when he started making decisions that didn't make any kind of sense whatsoever. But yeah, he did a lot of damage to the club. I mean, technically, <clears throat> um, I think Johnny Evans actually sold Mourinho's first summer. I think, I could be wrong actually. No, I think it was Van Hal. But yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. He did do a lot of damage. It's taken us a long time to recover from that. But that was at a point where it wasn't just Van Hal was a problem. The club itself didn't have a clue about how to scout and sign players. If you look at the players that were coming in, um, you know, people like Di Maria and, and Falcao, um, you know, Henrik Mkhitaryan, 
Morgan Snyder in Memphis Depay, Matteo Damian, Bassis Feinsteiger. I look at all these guys coming in, you go, what are they actually bringing to the table? Like, anyone who discovered those players properly would have said, don't ever sign them, don't sign them, just don't do it. The thing with Di Maria is, and Di Maria boiled my blood because you knew he was immensely talented and he's an incredible footballer when when he's on his day and he just was not interested. And before he even signed for United, I remember speaking to or hack that was covering the story um, and he told me off the record that Di Maria does not want to go to Manchester United it, it, this is a stopgap move before he even put pen to paper United like, did United not know that did not get that inkling off him in negotiations because when he came it was pretty clear from the start that he wasn't really settling um, like when, thing, when, thing, when things weren't going his way he, he, had, he had moments of brilliance at the start but when things start, started not going his way, he, he gave up. He totally gave up. There was no there was no sign of a player that's having a hard time. This player does, does not care. Um, and that that as a fan, that's that's the worst. That's the worst level you can get if you're you're showing you don't care on the pitch. Like it it, it, it it's shit because he's a player that we spend over sixty or so million on a marquee signing. A player we were all excited about. We could that. Just won the Champions League with with Real Madrid. Well, how like it came out of nowhere? How are we getting Di Maria? And he came, and it was just such a disappointment. Uh, no, I agree. And um, little things like this. when you talk about scouting players, you're not just scouting what they do in the field. You, you good scouting involves figuring out the personality of a player and whether they're going to be a fit for your dressing room, whether they're going to settle in the area. Marcus Rojo is you in court. Marcus Rowe had caught <laughs> charges hanging over his head in Argentina over getting into a fight with a neighbour. Butler. Like, just insane. Um, and also, more of a left-back than a centre-half, and we didn't need a left-back. It was just a bizarre. These things, these players just not linked, looked into properly, scouted properly at all. Um yeah, it was just a whole mess. You know, Van Hal is a big part of the blame, but it's not just Van Hal. It was people above him as well. You look at Edbelbud, who, yes, has started getting a lot of things right over the last twelve months, but really up until this last 12 to 18 months or so, he was just making things worse. He'd try and make things better, and he'd make them worse. Poor Louis. King Louis. Um, look, Mike, enjoy, enjoy that show again today, and thanks for everyone for listening. Um, how can people find you, Mike, on social media? Because I believe you're after opening up another Twitter account. Yeah, unfortunately I have. So um, I basically, have, uh, my film blog has now shifted to a new website, which is northernloudmouth.com. You can find it on there. So I look at like current films, I look at cool classics as well. My Twitter handle is just at... Mycroft underscore Holmes. It's a pun for any Sherlock Holmes fans. You figure it out. Or just search for Northern Loudmouth. You'll find me on there. Um, it's pretty much me that runs the, the, the Twitter account for this podcast as well. So when you see me taking digs at government ministers over the coronavirus, yeah, that's me that's doing that. It's not Dale. Um, <laughs> because the government is absolutely bloody useless. I had them knocking um, on my door yesterday morning. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know why they're knocking on your door. What are they doing in Ireland? What are they doing in Ireland? They should be taking care of things over here. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, so if anyone sees um, the Stratocast account taking digs at the, the tier sec, that's Dale. Okay. If he's seen taking accounts at Bo- taking digs at Boris, that's yeah. probably me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you can get our stuff on straightynews.com and this podcast, Stratocast. Also, we're uploading this 
podcast to YouTube as well on Straight News TV. So you get it on video as well as audio. Um, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed our list. Actually, as well as that, before I go, send us a tweet at Straighty News with maybe some players that you disagreed with that um, should not have left at that time. We're not we're not, not all necessarily players that you think are world class, but you might have a kind of a an affection towards. Um, you mentioned Ander Herrera. He's not on my list, but I can see why someone had an affection with him the same way as I had. Let's see if Tom Cleverley's on anyone's list. Tom Cleverley. What about Bebe? Oh, good lord! And you know what? A name that would be on someone's list that didn't be on our list is would be Marlon Fellaini. I reckon some people would have him on a list. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, he wouldn't be on mine, but yeah, I'm sure he's on someone's. Maybe he'd be on David Moyes' list. Definitely. There you go. Thanks for listening, and Mike. Thanks for joining me. See you again soon. Cheers. Network.